Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open them this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. Making it very easy for you. First book of the Bible. Open it up. It's the story of Noah. And I absolutely love this man. I love his story because what an amazing life he lived. I was reading about him again this week in my own reading, and I was struck in a fresh way by Noah's obedience. Just like what a man of obedience he was to the Lord. God said to him, there's going to be a flood. And Noah said, okay. I mean, he didn't even know what a flood was. He had never seen rain because the Bible says that that, at that time, it wasn't raining in that way. But a mist came up to water the earth. The whole ecology changed after the flood. So in those days, there was no rain, and so he'd never seen it. So when God said there's going to be a flood, he just goes, okay, I'm good with that. And then God says, what? I want you to build a boat. Noah says, okay. And God says, yeah, but it's going to be a really, really big boat, enough for you and your family and some of every kind of animal in the world. And it's going to take you 70 years to build it. And Noah goes, okay. Like, nowadays, that's a lifetime commitment. Sure, he was 500 years old at that point. But 70 years to build a boat? And there's no record in God's word of any argument or any discussion. And maybe he did have questions that he asked the Lord. I don't know. But there's no record of it in the Bible. And in God's eyes, all Noah did was say, okay. He said, yes. Success in life has been described as a long obedience in the same direction. That's a great quote. A long obedience in the same direction. And I believe that epitomizes the life of Noah. Building that ark year after year, decade after decade, to prepare for a flood that seemed completely irrational and impossible. And so why did he do it? Because God told him to do it. That's it. He believed God and his faith went into action. And he said, yes. It was a radical obedience. It was a countercultural obedience. Because there was no one else doing what Noah did. And it turned out to be a life-saving obedience. Think about that. Eight survivors of the flood. Eight people left on the face of the earth. Everyone else dead. Don't you think Noah was glad he was obedient? Don't you think that his wife and his children were glad that Noah was obedient? I read his life and I'm just, and I'm, I'm inspired. And I want to obey God like that. In the days that we're living in, how the whole world right now seems to be spinning out of control, I want to obey God because I know history shows that this is how we get through this, by obeying God. And whatever it is you're facing in life, whatever it is we're facing as a church, whatever we're facing as a whole society, it's how we get through this when we obey God. But I'm left with a question. What was Noah's secret? 
The way he heard God when no one else did. The way he lived by an unreasonable, uncompromising, unyielding faith. And so what was Noah's secret? Well, I want to read to you a verse, a single verse that I believe gives us the answer. And this could be a life-saving verse for you today. Honestly, it could. And so Genesis 6, verse 9, and this is what it says. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. There it is. Underline it if you have it in your Bible. If you've got it on your phone, highlight it. Noah walked with God. That's the key to the staggering faith that Noah had and his long obedience in the same direction. He walked with God. And I believe that's the key because that has been the key for many, many people down through history. People who have walked with God. I remember in the book of Daniel, it says that they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. See, this is the key, walking with God. You go back one chapter into Genesis chapter 5 and read verse 22, and you hear about a man named Enoch. Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. And the Bible uses exactly the same phrase about him. It says Enoch walked with God. You know what happened because Enoch walked with God? The Bible says that God just took him. He didn't die. God raptured him home to heaven and spared him a lot of the misery that the world was sliding into because he walked with God. Now, as I was reading through the story of Noah again, I remember that there's another verse in the Bible that looks back on Noah's life. It's found in the New Testament. And it gives us some commentary, and it's so clear and illuminating. And so Hebrews 11, verse 7. Here we go. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So there are a few things in this verse that I want to look at this morning. I want us to see. Three things that you can expect if you walk with God. So first off, jumping right in, if you walk with God, you get a warning. Walk with God, you get a warning. Look at the words there in the verse. Hebrews 11, verse 7, that first part. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. God know, God warned Noah. God instructed him. God was talking to this man. How was he talking to him? We don't know. We really don't. Did Noah hear an audible voice out of the sky? Did he have a vision? You know, did he have a dream in the night? Did an angel come and appear to him? We don't know. The story doesn't tell us. But God has used all of those things in the past to speak to people. But we don't know how he spoke to Noah. But what we do know is that no one else was warned by God. No one else was walking with God the way Noah was. And no one else heard from God. But Noah was in that place in his life. He was walking with God. 
Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his covenant to them. And the word covenant is a solemn promise. And did you know that the Bible, that God makes solemn promises? And whenever you read the Bible, when you pick up God's word, it is full of God revealing himself again and again and telling us his promises, things that he has said he will do. He's put his name behind those things and those promises he will do. And you can take them to the bank if you want to use that phraseology. Another man who walked with God was a man by the name of Abraham. We all know Abraham. In fact, he was known as a friend of God. That was actually the thing that was his epitaph. It says in the book of James, he was known as a friend of God. And when God was about to destroy the city of Sodom in his day, because of its wickedness, here's what God said in Genesis 18. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? See, he went ahead and told Abraham what was going to happen in Sodom. Why? Because God talks to his friends. Because the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. Because God speaks and warns his friends, those who are walking with him. And Jesus said exactly the same thing. He was speaking to his closest band on earth, those who were closest to him, and they were literally walking with him day by day, talking with him, learning from him. And in John 15, verse 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. God speaks to his friends. And it's a wonderful thing. I want to be a servant of the Lord, a good servant, but oh, to be his friend. Isn't that what you want? And Jesus said that's possible, that we can walk with him that way. God has shown us again and again and again that he is ready, he is willing, he is able to speak to his people. If you will take the time to read the Bible today, he will speak to you. If you pray and call upon him, he will have a conversation with you. And so God spoke to Noah. He warned him about things to come. It says things not yet seen. Like I said, they didn't even know what rain was. And God just tells them to build an ark. Literally, build me a really big, big box. It's going to be complex, 70 years in the making, but I want you to build me an ark. Now, a lot of people have ridiculed the whole story of the ark and then the idea of a worldwide flood. Because it, and it's because people don't realize the facts. And every time you drive past a daycare and it's something to do with Noah's ark, you see a picture of a boat with a draft's head sticking out the top of it. It kind of doesn't help with the whole theory of the flood in the ark. Because there's nothing like that in the ark, of the ark in the Bible. But did you know that the Bible is not the only um, 
book, if you want to say, that talks about a worldwide flood. Cultures all over the world, pagan cultures, different religions. In different cultures all over the world, there are ancient stories passed down of a great flood. Now, they differ in events, but there is some kind of collective memory in the human race of this terrible, catastrophic event. People ask, how would that even be possible? Where did all the water come from to flood the whole world? Because remember, the highest mountain was covered. Listen very carefully to the Bible. Because the Bible says it didn't just rain. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. It poured. You think about the heaviest storm you've ever been in. And that may not even be close. But it also says that the fountains of the deep were broken up. All of the subterranean reservoirs, and you know there's a lot of water down under the earth. We know that. We can, we've, they've found all these water reservoirs. God released those waters. Think about our planet for a second. We're sending spacecraft out to go to places like Mars and elsewhere, putting down probes, and we're searching for single drops of water in our solar system and other places. Why? Because water is absolutely essential to life. But our planet, this planet... It's the only one we've ever seen like this in all of our telescopic journeys. We're called the blue planet because almost three-quarters of the Earth's surface is ocean. 71% of the Earth's surface is ocean. And so we have all this water, and there's water down below, and God caused rain to fall. And while we're talking about the planet, what about the fossil records? Because this is often what, how, what people use as well. It couldn't have been a flood because look at all the fossils. This thin layer around the, around the earth, this fossil layer. And it's a remarkable layer that doesn't get talked about enough. Fossils are not easily produced. If your dog dies and you bury Fido in the backyard, what happens to Fido? Does he fossilize? No, he decomposes. And he decomposes very quickly. And that's what happens to most things that die in this world. They just decompose. It's not natural or normal for something to become a fossil. It takes something extraordinary. It takes intense pressure or volcanic activity. And yet we have all across the earth this thin layer of fossils. It's a record of cataclysmic death. A worldwide flood also explains why you have fossils of saltwater squid in the Grand Canyon. Well, how did that happen? How did they get there? Because the Bible says there was a great flood. You go to Siberia and there are fossils of mastodons killed so fast and preserved so well that we can go to these fossils and actually scientists have examined the contents of their stomachs and they can see what they were eating. What were they eating in a cold climate like Siberia prior to this cataclysmic event that killed them and fossilized them? Tropical plants. This is what the scientists have found. There is evidence for the flood. You just got to look for it. 
See, Noah was walking with God, and God warned him about this impending cataclysmic judgment coming. Listen to what it says in the same chapter of Genesis 6, but going back to verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. What a horrific, terrifying description of what humanity had come to in that time. Violent times, wicked days. Those were the times in which Noah lived. And despite all of that, Noah walked with God. He lived a godly life in an ungodly world. And he was marked as different because of it. He stood out from the crowd. What about you? Keep reading in those verses. Verse 7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This relationship that he had with God, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was walking with, with God. He was a man of prayer. He was a man who communed with God. He tuned his ear to listen for God's word, and so he was prepared. I want to say to you this morning, if you are walking with God today, then you know that God is now warning about things that are coming. It's been in his word. It's preserved for us. If you read his word, you can hear his voice. He, he's warning about things that are coming. You can watch all the talking heads on cable news, but they have no idea what's going to happen next. None. They're guessing. And if you're looking to them to make sense of all this craziness in the world around us, then aren't you disillusioned trying to find a voice that knows what's happening? Like, how are they supposed to figure out what's happening next when they can't really predict the weather in three days? But you can open up God, the pages of God's words and he explains the history of the world and he tells us what is coming. If you're not walking with God, it can be terrifying. Things are only going to get worse. But if you're walking with him, you have good news. Listen, there is an ark. God has a plan for his people. If you obey him and if you get in the ark, oh, there's a better world coming. I'm going to talk about that ark in a little bit before we finish this morning. The ark that God has today. But if you obey him and if you get in that ark, God knows all things coming. As he renews everything. And so are you hearing God today? Walk with God and get a warning. Secondly, walk with God and get wisdom. Again, verse uh, 7 in Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. In reverent fear. Some translations say, moved with godly fear. And that's the next phrase about him. He was moved with godly fear. Noah was moved that way. 
And that word fear doesn't mean that Noah was terrified of God. He was walking with God. And it doesn't mean that Noah was a crazy conspiracy theorist. I've seen some ideas of Noah that he must have been viewed as this type of conspiracy theorist, afraid of everything that was going on around him. No, he wasn't afraid of everything. The word means that he had a reverential awe of God. He walked with God, holding God in reverence, in awe. Proverbs 9.10, and you probably know this verse very well. You could quote it back to me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God go together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What wisdom Noah had first by walking with God was that he had the wisdom to obey God. And then he had the wisdom to follow God's blueprint and build that ark. I couldn't have built that ark in a million years if God had given me that much time. Even if you gave me all the plans you want, I'm just not that way. But Noah spent 70 years constructing this amazing ark. Why? Because God gave him the wisdom. God gave him all that he needed. And how would you like to have the, uni- the wisdom of the creator of the universe for you and your family as you go through 2024? So in the next 331 days, how would you like to have the wisdom of God, the creator of all things? Well, you can. Because the Bible says this in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at you with fault. If you come to God sincerely and say, God, I want your wisdom. I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom for my life, for my family, for my kids, for my grandkids. God will answer that prayer. But it begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with honoring him. It begins with putting him first. You've got to walk with God. Noah wasn't afraid of judgment. Noah wasn't afraid of flood water because Noah had a reverence for God himself. This man loved and he served God and that delivered him. And this is so important. The fear of God delivered him from the fear of everything and everyone else. When you really get to know God, there's no person who will ever make you afraid. There's no such situation that could ever terrify you if you really know God. And this is Noah. He's not afraid of anything except he fears the Lord. All of those years while Noah was building the ark, there were still no signs of the coming storm. None. Year after year, the skies are blue. The sun is shining. It's hot in that part of the world. People are laughing at him. People mock him. They scorn him. Yo, what are you building? Build an ark. Well, you want to get out of my driveway? I got to get to work. Like they're making fun of him all the time. They're thinking he's a nutcase. All right? But that's not the case. In all of those decades of preaching, 
Noah did not convert a single person outside his own family. Think of that. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. He warned people about the coming of judgment, but he didn't convert a single person except his own family. Think about this now. Every person alive on planet Earth today, in fact, every person right down through history since, owes their life to the wisdom of Noah. He didn't have any response from his own generation, but every generation since has thanked God and should thank God that Noah was walking with the Lord. Thirdly, walk with God and get a way out. Walk with God and get a way out. How many of you need a way out of some situation? You need a way out of something that's pressing in upon you. I tell you, the answer is walking with God. Walk with the Lord and he'll get you out of it. Again, let's look back at Hebrews 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. If I was Pastor Don and underlining, it would be that last phrase, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He prepared it because he got God's warning and God's wisdom. And Noah stood between his family and the flood. And they were saved because he walked with God and God gave him a way to escape the ark. So here's another question that that, that people often ask about the ark. They say, how could all of those animals fit on the ark? Seems ridiculous. How could all the animals in the world have representatives on that ark? Well, first of all, if you read the Bible carefully and see the size and the scale of the ark, this was a huge vessel, yet remarkably realistic compared to the largest wooden ships of history. Its design was very buoyant. And the proportions are very much like a modern cargo ship. And what God told this man thousands of years ago to build with, we don't know. We don't know what tools he had, but he still built this thing. And then you got to know about the animals. God told Noah to bring how many of every kind of animal? Two. Now, there are more than one million species on planet Earth. But it's a mistake to think that they were all on the ark because he didn't have to bring any fish on the ark. He didn't have to bring any kind of sea creature on the ark. He only took air-breathing land animals. So that would include sea creatures, insects, and vertebrates. All the land vertebrates that would need to come on the ark, there are almost 33,000 named species. But you know, most of those species are derivatives of kinds. There are in fact only 938 families or kinds of species on earth. 938. We've got a lot of different animals, but you know what? If you take a tiger and a leopard and you cross it, you get another species. But you don't need to bring that species onto the ark. You just bring a tiger and a leopard. 
So there's a situation, 938 families. So it means that Noah was caring for a few thousand land-dwelling vertebrate animals. And according to the Bible, this massive ark had three decks to it. And it's been now calculated, calculated there was room for up to 16,000 animals on it. So no problem. God gives you the answer in the Bible that the ark could easily take the animals. And so Noah had prepared an ark for the saving of his household. God saved the animals. Noah was worried about his wife and his three sons and three daughters-in-law. He prepared it for the saving of his household, and God did so much more. Noah and his family went into that ark with the sounds of mocking in their ears. And they went in as a tiny minority in the world. But when they stepped out of that ark again a year later, they were the absolute majority. Because Noah was walking with God. He had a way out. God provided it for him. And I believe that God has provided Christians with a way out over and over again when we walk with the Lord. And so my challenge to you this morning is to walk with God for the remainder of this year. Every day this year, give yourself to this one priority, walking with God. Your job might be important to you. Your possessions, I hope they're not that important to you. But you know, there, there are realities. We've got to take care of those things. But there's other stuff in the life that we need to think about. But make, your, make this your focus, that I want to walk with God for 2024 every day. We are living in such tumultuous times. We're living in days that are so very much like the days Noah lived in. And Jesus himself prophesied about this. Matthew 24, he says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? Number one, he believed in Noah and the ark. He knew it was true. But he's saying this. Coming to the world very soon, soon, Noah, part two. This great judgment is coming again in a very different way this time. But judgment is coming to this world. Now remember, we don't know how God spoke to Noah. There was no Bible yet. So he couldn't have a Bible to read. But God spoke to him somehow. We are privileged beyond anything that Noah ever imagined. Because not only has God spoken clearly and exhaustively, but he has written it down for us. We have God's word. The fact that you can now very easily take it with you wherever you go, in whatever format you want, is amazing. It gives you that opportunity to get into God's word, whether you're riding the train to work, okay? You can listen to it while you're driving or on lunch break. See, we have God's word, and that means we have all been warned. 
that God's warnings are within all of our reach. God has written it down and he does not lie. Just as Noah lived in godly fear, it's high time for every one of us to be serious about being people who walk with God. Number one priority, walk with God. And if you read 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that in the last days before Jesus returns, people will scoff at the idea of Jesus coming back just as they scoffed all those years that Noah was warning of the coming judgment because the skies looked blue. Peter warns, he says, look, God has said this. God has never slack concerning a promise. He always completes what he has said. Everything in the Bible has foretold he will do it. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about Noah and the flood and how it's just like the judgment that's coming. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You never know when a thief is arriving in your house. Otherwise, you'd have the police waiting there, right? No. Just like the thief comes at a time when you don't expect it, the Lord will come just like that. Listen, not a flood this time, but as chapter 10, verse 10 says, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. God is going to destroy this world. People all around us talking about global warming. It's not really that kind of global warming you need to be worried about. Wait till you see what God does to this planet. He's going to do more than warm it. He's going to destroy it completely and start all over. But let me tell you the good news today. God has made a way. You don't need to spend 70 years building an ark. God has already built one. He has built an ark and it's a far better ark. And it wasn't just 70 years in the making. God was planning this from, the, from before the world began. This was an eternal plan that God had. He's always had the blueprints for this ark. And you know what the ark is? The ark is his son. It's the Lord Jesus who came and gave his life in our place to wash away our sins. And no matter how dark this society gets, the blood of Jesus is stronger than any sin. And he will wash it away in your life if you walk with him. The moment you come to him and call upon the name of the Lord, he says in that moment he will forgive your sin. He can because Jesus paid for it on the cross. He died your death so that you might live. Jesus is the ark of God and God's plan of salvation isn't just for two of every kind of animal and eight human beings. It's for all who call upon him. And his arms are wide open. He says, come, come walk with me. Let's pray.